this is Chip, and you are, you are, um, my lines, my lines, I've forgotten my lines. Hi, my name is Ol. This is Chip. Hey, this is Jereen from Boone. Hello, this is Heather Sterling from Alaska, and you are listening to Beyond the Box Groupcast. Hi, I'm Rayburn Johnson. And I'm Steve Sensenick. And this is Beyond the Box. Here's your invitation to explore life outside the box of institutional religion. This is a place where there are no walls to restrict our search for truth as we embrace the ambiguity of defining our life in Christ. So unbuckle your seatbelt, recline your chair, throw caution to the wind, and get ready for the ride that is Beyond the Box. Welcome back to Beyond the Box, everyone. It is always great to be back with you. Today, we have a special feature that we're beginning called Groupcast, the Beyond the Box Groupcast. Now, usually, podcasting on Beyond the Box either consists of Steve and myself, or myself and a guest, or Steve and a guest, um, talking about different matters of faith and spirituality. But in this episode, we're actually bringing in several of the listeners and the contributors to the community of Beyond the Box into the conversation to talk about community. In this podcast, I'm joined by Heather Spade-Sterling from the beautiful state of Alaska, by Ulf Jetter from Australia, from Chip Watts from that fine state of North Carolina, and Jereen Reagan from whoop, whoop, the Tar Heel state itself, North Carolina again. We have a lot of fun on this episode, just really talking about what does community mean? What does it look like? Um, How do we participate in community? How do we foster a sense of community? It is a great conversation, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. We hated that we couldn't get Steve in on this one. You're going to hear early on in the episode that Steve's going to join us later. It turned out he couldn't, unfortunately. He had some things come up in the middle of our discussion that kept him from being able to participate. But hopefully on a future group cast, we'll be able to get Steve in on the conversation as well. And I think you're really going to like this one. So here comes the roller coaster and let's talk about community in community. Well, I am super excited and pleased to be joined by a heaping helping of Beyond the Box listeners, participants, and community people. Um, Steve is going to be joining us here in just a little bit. He's running a little bit late, uh, but the rest of us are all here, and we are here. We're here from all over the world, from Australia, from Alaska, and we've even got people from another day. Here we are on Saturday night, and Ulf Jetter is with us from Sunday morning. Back to the future. (laughs) We are doing something new on this podcast. Uh, Usually you either hear mine or Steve's or both of our lovely voices, and maybe another person that we're interviewing or talking to. But today we are super excited to get a roundtable discussion of you guys, of part of our community, because we really believe that the body of Christ is not this authoritarian, top-down structure, not this thing where we have leaders and followers and sheep and shepherds, but that we really have a equal 
um, standing before God of brothers and sisters in Christ. So I'm really excited that we get to start kind of doing that on Beyond the Box. <laughs> we do it in the community now, but you guys are actually going to get to have a recording where you listen to other people other than us. And everybody said, hallelujah. So without further ado, I just want to introduce everybody that's here. Like I say, Steve will be joining us later. First of all, I have my good friend, um, both in the virtual world and in face-to-face, Mr. Chip Watts, joining us from the beautiful, beautiful state of North Carolina. Chip, can you say hello to the people? Hello, everybody. Hello from Sanford, North Carolina. The Tar Heel State. Oh, you got to love it. I'm missing you right now, Chip. I'm missing North Carolina. (laughs) And then, beside you in the virtual world, we have our good friend of the podcast that we've known for several years now, Heather Spade Sterling. Heather, Heather, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Alaska. Hello. Just me and my cat sitting around here. And she promised, go down. she promised if a moose goes by the window, she promises to move the video camera so we can see it. So I'm excited about that. I'm praying for a moose right now. And beside Heather, I have uh, one of my closest friends, Miss um, Jereen Reagan, who I don't get to see enough. We used to get to see each other about every day and have conversations in the virtual world, in the real world. And now we just get to have them in the virtual world for the most part. But Jereen... Missing you like crazy. Glad you could join us on this episode of Beyond the Box. Say hello to the peeps out there. Hello to the peeps. (laughs) (laughs) And then last but definitely not least, on my virtual right, uh, I don't know where in the stereo field he will be located in this podcast, but we have Mr. Ulf Jetter all the way from Queensland, Australia. Ulf, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Hello, hello. Ulf is joining us on Sunday morning. We're here on Saturday night. It's just a crazy world, this virtual thing. Um, we are wanting to talk tonight about community. And we figured how better to talk about community than with a bunch of people. Because <laughs> so, that's kind of what community consists of is people. So we want to start out just kind of talking about our own experience, a little bit of backstory for each of us, um, what our Christian community experience has been, how it's evolved and where we're at now. And then we're just going to kind of see where the where the conversation takes us. As you know, we love to chase rabbit trails. So we'll start here and see where it goes. Um, Heather, if you don't mind, if you'll start us out, tell us somewhat about about your Christian community experience and how it's evolved and where you're at today. Okay, it's a long story. <clears throat> but um, I wasn't raised in a church, um, but my parents, uh, and my parents didn't go to church. I think they had their own backgrounds. But when I was a young teenager um, and life was kind of uh, difficult, I started, you know, just trying to figure out who, what God was. And uh, about that time, I was about 13, um, the Mormon missionaries came along. So I went full bore into the Mormon church. And uh, I was raised in North Idaho where... uh, it was pretty sparse, you know. I was the only kid in my one-room school, so so there wasn't a lot of community. Then, uh, oh, that was in my early twenties. I kind of figured, well, that I, I don't know, I don't know about that. So I went. I just kind of left and kind of be, became a hippie and a new age occult or whatever, <clears throat> you know, just kind of drifting. And, and then 
um, there came, you know, after long story short, I got saved. <laughs> or I got, you know, I, I, I uh, started, you know, I, I ran into some kind of Baptist type people and uh, so that I started studying the Bible, but, but in a way that, um, you know, the evangelical type. So I, I read a lot of books and I went to churches and went to church more and more and uh, oh gosh, probably about, I don't know how many decades that went through, you know, maybe 20 years. And uh, it seemed like the more I wanted to know God, <clears throat> eventually it just started seeming like there was a lot of, uh, it just didn't seem like the God that I was knowing alone in my own heart there was just a lot of arguments and judging and shaming and every you know one size fits all and it just I just didn't it just didn't feel right so um, I think when I went through kidney failure that's when I really you know you you kind of check your mortality you know that's when I started feeling like yeah you know this isn't it and then I and that's where I think I met you on the God journey and uh, quite a few other people and just started realizing that um, maybe I didn't know it all maybe maybe there's a lot more to this and uh, since then I've I've read a lot of books I've met a lot of people but but community is really sparse for me here in Alaska um, I'm no longer in the mega church, um, but I'm having some great conversations online, and um, I, I miss the one-on-one. -on -one. I miss having sharing the cup and the bread. Yeah. I miss that, and I I wonder how that might, you know, how that might change. But I think what I especially like about it all is that I'm. It is a mystery, and I don't have to know it all. And I, 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 I just, uh, I actually want to know what other people are thinking, and I, and they don't have to measure up to some kind of a standard that I have created or the group that I'm in has created. You know, I, so I'm, uh, I'm hungry to know other people and where, you know, what color is the light that God shines through them? You know, mm. what kind of a stained glass window are we anyway? So I like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I like that metaphor. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I if it came up from me or somebody else, but we really all are um, <clears throat> a different reflection of of one body. We mm. are we already are. So how much fun to express it and to and to experience it? Yeah, I want yeah. more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Love. I love that metaphor. What color are you? What What is the color of the light that's shining through you? That's so good because we really all, I mean, we can see just in this little group how different we all are, and yet it's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm thankful everyone's not just like me, and I'm thankful everyone's not just like you guys. I mean, it's beautiful. Great stuff. Mr. Chip Watts, would you mind sharing with us a little bit of your story and kind of your journey through uh, Christian community and and where you've been, where you're at, and maybe some of the questions in your heart. 
Sure, sure. Um, I started following Jesus as a teenager. I grew up, had grown up as a Presbyterian. My dad's a Presbyterian minister, and um, I ended up uh, marrying a Southern Baptist girl, which, ooh, that was, that was a <laughs> scandal, shocking thing for my family. And uh, uh, then, uh, you know, we kind of, uh, after we were married, we gravitated into charismatic fellowship, and, and I became a, in, the, in that uh, place, I became a worship leader, just had a wonderful 10 years of just going, having deep, precious fellowship and a, a lot of good music and, and, and fun times with friends, real deep fellowship. Uh, but then, you know, of course, you know, the charismatic thing eventually blows up, you know, <laughs> and then that one blew up and uh, we ended up in sort of the house church situation. And uh, it just didn't ever seem to go anywhere. And I was always just had that hunger in my heart looking for something real and deep. Uh, just kind of like Clint Eastwood is the high plains drifter. I just, that's where I am now, just drifting around. Uh, we're, we're going to the uh, Baptist church that my wife grew up in and uh, mostly for kids activities and, and I get the chance to plug in my guitar occasionally and sing, you know, which is a big thing for me. Um, you know, but still that deep longing for something real and something deep and, 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 and connection. I'm not getting it there, you know, but uh, it's just always that longing in my heart. I hear you, brother. I, I think that's one of the <clears throat> one of the things I miss more than anything else. I can't say I miss a whole lot of things um, in the institutional church, with the exception of music. And I, you know, it's hard to when you're a musician, it's hard to really find a band situation um, unless you're playing professionally outside of church. It's hard to find that kind of situation where you can have a time with other musicians and just. Because there's something about that as a musician. There's something magical about getting together with other people who are musicians mm -hmm. and flowing together. And you know exactly what that's like. And that's that's hard to find. It's really yeah, hard I wonder a lot of times how much you miss it. Because I know we, we were in very similar situations, leading bands and yeah. in the church, leading worship. I miss it a lot. I really miss it a lot. And I haven't, that's, that's been, a, for Steve, I think that's been a, a hole that he's been able to easily fill because he's been a music director for a theater company. He plays professionally. So, you know, in my conversations with him, it's been easy for him to fill that hole because he's got other outlets. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, I do a lot of uh, solo piano composition and stuff just for fun. But as far as being able to really get together with people and, and have that synergistic spark that happens, it's few and far between. Mm -hmm. Mr. Ulf, Ulf Jetter, Queensland, Australia. Tell us somewhat, and, and you know, here we are, we're all in the U.S. I don't know if there's a, um, if there's a different, a difference, I'm sure there is culturally um, in your experience in Christian community, but tell us somewhat about Christian community for you and, and maybe even some of some things that maybe we've not heard ourselves um, being in a different cultural context. Yeah, so yeah, we go. Um, so, well, I grew up in Germany for starters, and um, that was in a Lutheran church. My um, my mother, she was like for most of my childhood, she, she was teaching in the Sunday school there for kids. So, and and she was very much into you know teaching me and my brother all about Bible and all that and prayer and every night prayer and all that thing. Um, 
and then, well, to, yeah, to jump ahead, then I went went to Australia in my early twenties to go to Bible college, and um, there we had to find our own kind of own church, and and I actually ended up going to a vineyard, which is here quite charismatic, so um, was totally different to me, and I always had been warned about the charismatics and all that kind of stuff, don't hang out with them. And, um, so, but the first time I went, I, I still remember the feeling like it was just really freeing for me, and the first time I made myself raise my hand to the song, it's like this, yeah, weight coming off me, and it was a really great feeling. Um, what else? Well, I was at Bible College, so I I, I got married then and, and um, uh, graduated from Bible College, and then we felt like oh we we need more more experiential Christianity kind of charismatic stuff. So so we felt like we we um, have to do a discipleship school with YWAM, and that's um, what we did in Brisbane, in Australia, and then. Uh, Together, then we went over to Germany because my my wife wanted to get to know the culture there and all that. So we were two years in Germany, which most of the time we were working together with YWAM as well, um, just doing evangelism and all that kind of thing. And um, when yeah, and during that time, just at the end of that at that time. At, at the end of that time, um, we kind of started getting into uh, listening to Wayne Jacobson and, and the God Journey and reading the books and, and uh, yeah, I got really inspired by uh, Jane uh, Claiborne and um, so we, we developed this dream of Having more than just the Sunday experience, and um, having, you know, experiencing a community kind of church thing throughout the week, and um, so that dream kind of kept brewing, and and then we came. It so happened that we decided to move back to Melbourne, Australia, and um, we met up with old friends there, and they only just had started um, to hang out on the streets. Of the suburb in Melbourne, and and just befriending people on the streets there. Um, most of them were into drugs or alcohol or single mothers, and and, and just really people struggling with life. And um, and and a lot of them also were, were on antidepressants and all that kind of stuff, which is really bad here in Australia. Um, so so that's kind of where we slipped in. We um, had this great community where. Um, Emma and I all of a sudden then were looking after two houses with girls and boys in it, and um, just, just um, fellowshipping with them, also on a weekly basis sometimes, but also just seeing them during the week. And, and um, meanwhile, we were exploring, just, just uh, trying to live um, a more simple life. So as in, we both just had 
part-time jobs and, and we didn't try to make a lot of money or anything like that. But we were just really, yeah, spending time with our community and um, that was for the last five years. And it, the community changed and we did things differently. And at first, most of us went to still went to the Vineyard Church and then after a while I got really frustrated with that. And just, yeah, just stuff happened in my life uh, itself where I just saw things differently and all that. So that's the kind of community we come out of now, Melbourne. We just left Melbourne and um, it was sad leaving that community, but we also feel like it's, it's time for us to even widen our, our horizon a little bit. It was kind of like the last five years we were living, we were we were learning to love people, which I didn't know how to do before. <laughs> and um, now this whole love thing kind of seems to be taking me towards even more, not only people, not only people I involved, but you know, the whole world, which before I didn't really need to care about because Jesus was coming back and you know, you would make everything right. But um, now more and more, I think, hey, you know, maybe I still have to kind of, you know, try harder not to have too many slaves myself in China or Indonesia, you know, making my t-shirts and, and that kind of thing, you know. And um, so, yeah, we're just kind of trying to figure out how to live a more sustainable life that's more sustainable for this world and, and that kind of thing at the moment. And we're going to move to Germany and, and see whether we can find a community that we can live that together with, more than just necessarily Christianity. Yeah, you know, Ulf, you've really, um, you've really inspired me a lot just in talking to you online, a lot of our online conversations, and just in uh, the kind of life that you are aspiring to live. I, I have mad respect for that, and and uh, am really wrestling with a lot of the same questions that I think that you are, um, that maybe, maybe you're not even wrestling with anymore. Maybe you've already passed them and are, and are, and are living into them. But, uh, yeah, really, really resonate with a lot of what you're saying for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I've uh, resonated straight away with your podcast five years ago. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, like really I told you, me. like I told you yesterday on, on uh, Facebook, it's a mutual admiration society, brother. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Jereen Reagan. One of my dear, dear friends. Man, I miss you like crazy. Wish we could talk more often. Glad we can do this. Glad we can do this. Jereen and I have had so many good conversations and so many of the times, as you guys can probably already tell from being in this situation, your greatest strength is often your greatest weakness. And my gift of gab is both because I, I like to talk a lot and that can be a strength and I like to talk a lot and that can be a weakness. So a lot of mine and Jereen's conversations have been me talking and Jereen listening <laughs> and helping me think through just even as being a sounding board. And you've been so gracious to do that over the years. Well, we make a good team because you're an extrovert and I'm an introvert. That's, so. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. But, you know, Jereen, you've got so many good things inside of you. I can testify to that. You have so many. You have... Um, so so many thoughts that I resonate with, I know personally, and so I'm so glad that you could be part of the conversation. Uh, tell us some about you. You've had a you've had a history of 
many different church experiences. Tell us about that history and where you're at today and, and kind of the questions that you're wrestling with. Well, I grew up as a Christmas Christmas Easter Methodist, so went to church twice a year and because my parents were not religious at all. Um, and when I got to college, I went to a state university in upstate New York, and that's where I heard the good news. And um, my education professor was an elder in a independent, non-denominational church that was being influenced by the charismatic movement in the 70s. So that was my introduction to, to real Christianity. Um, unlike all, I had a really good experience with the charismatic uh, people, I guess because it was very balanced church. I mean, they really stressed good Bible teaching along with the charismatic part. So I just felt like I had a tremendously wonderful foundation um, and led my Catholic fiance to Christ and he would come to small group meetings with me and originally we were going to get married in the Catholic Church but um, decided against that and of course that caused a whole thing with his family and uh, but survived that and got married moved to Texas that was really interesting. There was literally five church buildings on every corner in <laughs> Dallas, Texas, and you think it would be easy to find a church, but on the contrary, it's it's so hard to decide on something. And we really visited a number of things there. Everything from the church people who said the the uh, gifts are from the devil to the other opposite extreme of this Sunday you need to lay your glasses on the altar and <laughs> and take your healing and you know and everything in between so that was quite an education and then we moved to New England and our two two daughters were born there and once you have kids you really do want to get them in a good church so that kind of becomes your your goal, um, you're not so much looking for something for you, but um, a number of the churches, both in Massachusetts and Michigan, we would visit and look for something that had a really good um, youth program. So I would get involved in choir, because that's my thing, and just kind of stay there in that niche. And, you know, uh, after a while I did get involved in some women's ministry things, and I was always interested in um, theology. Never thought about going to school for it, but just kind of an amateur reader of everything you know that I could get my hands on. And um, then we moved south, and our daughters were all grown and been to college, and off we went to warmer weather. So when we got down here, um, my husband found a job in a uh, Christian organization and I just kinda said well okay what am I gonna do and ended up at the bookstore the Christian bookstore in town and and have just really enjoyed that and you know along the way I think back about different things that I've questioned one of the things I was thinking about today when my daughters were small we were in a church that started teaching that you know spare the rod spoil the child and instead of spanking them with your hand, to use a wooden spoon. Hmm. 
And, you know, I was just so sucked in to taking anything that was supposed to be Christian and thinking, okay, well, this, this is, that makes sense. And I tried it a couple of times and I just didn't have a good feeling with that and just kind of lay that aside and didn't think about it again. But I look back and I just think how easily influenced we are. You know, if somebody's the leader of the group, you just kind of go along with it, like yeah. like you're semi-brainwashed. I mean, I know I wasn't totally, but somebody will suggest something and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Whereas now, <laughs> not quite so much. <laughs> but... um. We tried to go. We tried some different churches down here. One ended up being very Calvinistic, and I just couldn't handle that. And then another one was um, you would think that where you don't have to become a member and you don't have to sign on the dotted line, that that would be good. And it kind of was for a while, but then you kind of feel like you're not really part of the community because the community is made up of those who are going to everything, you know. Um, the Sunday school class and the supper on this night and the this on that night. And when I close at the bookstore, I'm there till seven o'clock till closing, so I can't go to a lot of different things. So when you're there just there on Sunday morning, you don't really get a feel for community. And then I would come to work and have these conversations with Rayburn about like, don't you know that most of the churches teach in the penal substitution theory and what that means and the wrath of God and I'm like what? I'm, I don't believe that <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of really got me going down the road of investigating a lot of other things and reading other things that I had never read before and thought about and hell and that whole thing and, and then Rob Bell showed up and all the churches down here were telling us how Rob Bell was a heretic and you can't read the shack because that's bad theology and it's like oh my goodness so finally one day I don't know I just said I think I've, I've had enough <laughs> I've just had enough and uh, haven't been back for well what's it been probably two years now maybe um, and just can't imagine going back into the institutional church because it's just not there. I mean, people are so in tune to you doing everything the right, right way and looking the right way and acting the right way and being the right way and enough. You know, I, I um, it's so interesting hearing everyone's journey. Uh, I won't recapitulate mine because you guys have heard it a thousand times over, but um, what I'm really finding with all of us in this discussion that's so interesting to me is we're all really in different places. We're all in a similar place in that we're all going, we're not 100% satisfied with where we're at right now. And we're not 100% satisfied with what we've experienced in our journey so far, that there's been good parts, but that there's also been trouble spots. Um, and, you know, what's, what's interesting in, in the paradigm that we're talking about it's like, you know, with Chip, for instance, Chip, you've you've been in the institution, started there, left and have come back, like you said, predominantly for your kids, uh, for your kids experience and also for music. And then, you know, got, we're ending up with Jareen saying, I could never go back. This is not something I could do. 
the interesting thing is we're all in different places and we're all on the same journey simultaneously. So in, in saying all of that, I guess maybe, maybe what I'd like to get at is what's at the heart of our journey. What is it? What is it that we're longing for that we've not seen yet? You know, what is it that, or what is it that we are longing for that we're going, hoping we'll see either way? Um, what, do, what do you guys, I'm just going to open up the floor. What are, what are you guys, maybe just even a one word, you know, a sentence or a one word, what's something that, that your heart cries out for that you've not seen? I would say that uh, acceptance for mm. the individuality would be a big part. Mm. Um, you know, that people wouldn't be shocked if you said, well, I, I'm not sure about that. Wow. Well, you got to be sure. You know, it, absolutes, that's, that's what we're about. <laughs> that's, re that's really good. I resonate with that. I think Ulf, you uh, you alluded to that earlier today in a Facebook comment you made. Um, do you mind if I read that, Ulf? I'd just like people to hear that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said you said the problem for me used to be that I was looking for a community that believed what I believed. But what if Jesus, when talking about the church, wasn't talking about a weekly meeting of people who all believe in the same thing? What if the church he was referring to was people who were willing to let love or the Christ life? take over their lives and relationships in their everyday life. That's a scary kind of thought because these people wouldn't need to embrace a new religion or set of doctrines, but could remain Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, Mormons, pagans, Jews, Christians, pantheists, and allow Christ's love to change their world. I apologize for sounding a bit new agey there. There's the, there's the disclaimer dude that, that we always <laughs> have to throw in one of these episodes. Yeah. So, um, off, uh, tell us, tell us kind of what, where you're going with that, because in, in hearing what Heather just said, um, in, in talking about wanting to be part of a community wherein you're accepted without having to necessarily nod your head to all of the doctrinal statements and not necessarily having to be on the same page, but having an unconditional acceptance, you, you seem to be touching on that in that Facebook comment. Talk to us a little bit about where you were coming from there. And, and because I know a lot of people are have their virtual eyebrows raised right now. So talk to us all. Okay. Where was I coming from? Um, well, for, for me, just the last few years, um, love has just become a really big thing. And, uh, it, it, yeah. Disclaimer, dude, again, like, sounds very reagy and all that, but I think it's really the central core of what Jesus was talking about too, and he said that, you know, the number one commandment he has to love, love neighbor. And um, yeah, this this love, you know, I, I can see, I used to see or look for that only in Christianity and in church. But I, I can see now when, when I look around that there's a lot more loving people than um, just in Christianity. Um, uh, and, and they, a few years back I always said, oh yeah, well they're just trying really hard and, and they're just 
could be full of good seeds and just trying really hard, but really inside they are rotten and need coloration. But I'm not sure about that anymore. And um, and so I really, this last few years, I really started to really want to learn from other cultures, other religions, and all that kind of thing. And, and what I find out more and more is just really beautiful. And, and it's, um, it's not, not, it used to be scary, but it's not really anymore because, it, you know, it's, it's a beautiful humanity that, 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 that we, you know, we are part of. And um, we all have a bit of love inside of us. And, and it's just a matter of tapping into that and, and, and whatever you call that, letting it come out. And, and I think that's the, the to me that that is the Christ that, that Jesus is talking about. That and and that um, Peter was calling Peter was calling him Christ, and Jesus said, "Hey, you know, on that I will build my church." And and it, what can we maybe read that in a way that um, says, "Okay." You know this this love, this, this Christ life. If we really let that go in this world, out of myself and out of whoever wants to participate in that, you know, a beautiful thing can grow. And um, it, it's not man-made. It's not something constructed. You know, like everything, all the religions and all the churches are kind of constructed, and we have to set them in place, and we have to put rules in place and doctrines and all that kind of stuff and everybody has to believe the same thing, but what if it's more organic? I like the word, word organic because I'm also into going plants and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, that, it's hard to explain better like where I'm coming from it was just a thought that came from the top of my head kind of thing. But I think that's, that's kind of yeah what I was thinking of, mm-hmm. that, that it's not I'm quite comfortable at the moment that, um, to to say that yeah you don't have to be a Christian you don't have to call yourself a Christian and I don't know like if I, when I introduce myself to other people and we get talking about religious or, or spiritual stuff I'm quite honest and say I, I used to be a, a a Christian or I used to be a very young um, fundamental Christian or charismatic Christian, but I'm not anymore. You know, so I I don't know if I want to call me myself a Christian anymore. It's more like I'm part of this humanity, which is a church in a way, and, and part of this body. And you know, there's beautiful stuff happening all around. And just open my eyes and see what's happening. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, one of the things one of the things I think about. Um, in light of in light of what you're saying, I don't know if you guys remember the podcast that I did with Brian McLaren on uh, uh, why did Jesus, Moses, the Buddha, and Muhammad cross the road? But you know, he talks a lot, and, and this is something I continue to struggle with: is the the seeming dichotomy between the universality of Jesus, in that you know, like Eugene Peterson said, Christ plays in a thousand places. You know that. That, that there is a sense of Jesus that in which he permeates everything, you know, where it says that God's ultimate will is for God to be all in all. I think it's Ephesians that says that. 
And then on the other hand, it seems like you have this other side where there's a uniqueness to Jesus that that is um, where I'm trying to think. Like, so, so here's where I'm getting at. How do we honor the uniqueness of Jesus while simultaneously leaving the door open so that there is a door of acceptance where we don't feel like we have to ostracize anyone or make anyone feel like they don't belong. So do you guys get what I'm saying? Like, like how, how do we honor Jesus as Lord and simultaneously not use that to Lord it over other people? Yeah, I think we start by listening to that other person. I think it's good. I think it's a lot more listening than it is um, anything else. And I, I really, uh, resonate with with what Olaf has been saying because um, when somebody asks me, you know, are you a Christian? Um, I want to know what what are you talking? What do you mean by am I a define Christian? define your terms? Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, today um, I was kind of reviewing a book by Richard Rohr. Uh, uh, well, actually, it wasn't a, it was an audio um, conference called Jesus and Buddha. And here's Richard Rohr is a uh, Francis Franciscan priest or friar or whatever you would call him. And, uh, you know, it has been for, what, 40, 50, I don't know how many years. But when, you know, after so many years of listening to sort of a, sort of a twisted version of, of the teachings of Jesus that are kind of couched in judgment and shame and anger and guilt and how other people should live their lives. When you listen to the actual teachings of Buddha, it sounds a lot like Jesus because of love, because of love. And, um, you know, I want to be careful not to offend some people who are sure. so frightened of hearing anything but Christianity but I'm sorry, once you get out of the cage and once you get set free <laughs> of fear and anger and judgment, um, you can't get lost anymore. When, when, <laughs> when the top comes off the box, it all just kind of flies out, doesn't it? I mean, it really, you know, I, what you're saying, you know, you talk about Richard Rohr. I mean, Thomas Merton, Thomas Merton died at a Buddhist, he was speaking at a Buddhist conference, right? I mean, he was, here. here's a guy that, if anybody would ever say that Thomas Merton didn't love Jesus with every fiber of his being, I'd tell them they're crazy. And this guy saw something of beauty and worth and value in spending time with Buddhist monks. And not because, not just because that he could, that they could teach him something, but because he saw a mutuality of what was already going on in their lives as being reflective of the experience that he was having with Jesus. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things is, is that we have a tendency, we have, we have um, divided up religions and set them up against each other. And that's what the world has taught us to do. That's what fun the fundamentalist version of every religion has taught us to do. But yet we don't have a problem saying we're a democratic Christian or a Republican Christian. But if you said you were a Buddhist Christian or a Taoist <laughs> Christian, people would have a problem. But it's like uh, Brian McLaren really helped me through his book and through talking with him, really helped me to see that, Many of these the, these worldviews aren't even asking the same questions. 
Buddhists aren't asking how you get to heaven. So there's not even a competition there about, there's not even a competition trying to say Jesus isn't the way to God. They're not, they don't need, that's not, they're not going to die on that hill, right? But there is something that, there's a worldview and a perspective they have that we need to hear from. And when we don't do that, we do it, we, when we don't listen, we're doing it to our own peril in, in many ways. And I, and Heather and Ulf, I under, you know, I say a lot of the things I say, and this is true of the podcast, I say a lot of the things I say with fear and trembling because, you know, being steeped as a Southern Baptist boy and as a charismatic pastor and as a word of faith Bible college student, you know, all of those things have ingrained in me that I shouldn't be able to make those statements. So even now I say them with kind of fear and trembling, but in talking about community, it seems as if, um, I think the, maybe the question we're getting at the heart here is, is community this exclusive experience among people that assent to the same creeds or is it a universal experience that should be happening and, and that this is not a rhetorical question. I'm throwing this out there. Uh, well, as I a just real had question. This, Go ahead. Sorry, I, I, just, I just had this thought. Um, you know, your question before was also like, so kind of like, how can we make these other people fit into our culture, or our religious experience? How we, can we fit them in? But maybe the real question should be. How do we fit into this? Are we willing to go into their experience and experience with them and then go alongside with them and see what, what's happening? You know, are we willing to maybe make a few changes in our thinking and, and, and just yeah, see you know, whether that Christ in us is, is really able to protect us from any wrong teachings and, and just yeah, step out and, and, and spend time with others and like have a step to listen to others. Man, that's good. I, I would just like to say that, Ulf, I, I completely agree with you because I think if the Christian life is about imitating Jesus and following Jesus, which is really what I've come to believe instead of just about just about believing in him, the whole experiment experience of the incarnation was that God incarnated himself into a bunch of messed up people who pooped and peed and believed wrong things, right? So if that's true, and that's our that's the M.O. of what it means to live the Christ life, then why do we hesitate to fellowship and to experience life with those who are different than us? We're taught to fear them. Mm. Basically, that's it. I mean, it's, it's like fear is such a big part of the church. It's just amazing. Because if we didn't have fear, what's the opposite of fear? Love. Wow. So, I mean, if we could just love and, and show Jesus to others. You know, when Alpha was speaking, I was thinking about, haven't we come a long way from what Paul said about being all things to all people? Mm. Instead, we want those people to be like us, you wow. know? And it's, it's just opposite. But I think it's because of fear. Wow, that's good. That's I'm thinking good. that the um, that technology and the internet is just blowing apart traditional community, For sure. traditional church. You know, um, you know, um, it, it makes me wonder when uh, the traditional church that we think of like a hundred years ago, it was meeting in a one-room cabin. It grew over the years into 
mega churches and such. And what we're doing right here, this this online connection that we're having right now, this new kind of community and uh, experience of fellowship, you know, what, what's this going to grow into over the next decade or decades? And and uh, and I think about the the people that I've connected with, lots of friends and people I barely know on like Facebook, and uh, and they would never be all in one church group together. And and you you learn to communicate differently and accept people and you have you have to be kind of careful of, of, of uh, what you're saying because you don't offend this person who Jesus loves and you love and is your good friend and and uh, and it's just I just keep thinking that um, this this thing is just blowing apart the traditional community and and, uh, and bringing a lot of people together in new ways that are exciting and, and and that thing that I'm yearning for, I'm seeing hints of it just right here, you know, mm. right here in what we're doing tonight. Mm. Yeah. You know, you said something so interesting, Chip, in talking about that and saying that you wanted to be careful on Facebook not to offend people. It's so ironic because I don't know about you guys. I think all of us have probably been through this experience of thinking that offending people was part of our job, right? I mean, that that unless you were stepping on somebody's toes, you probably weren't sharing the truth. And now we've went from that to being like, you know what? We want to be careful. I love the way you said that, Chip. We don't want to offend someone that Jesus loves and died for. And I mean, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that's where it's at. Yeah. Hmm. So what's some other words? What's some other words of uh, maybe things that we've longed for? We talked about acceptance, a community that's so. So really, what, one of the things we all want is a community that's all embracing, that will embrace us as we are, where we are, without asking us to change. Right. That that will let us live out our journey with God in a safe environment where we don't have to be conformed to someone else's image. What What's something else that that we're all longing for? I think that um, being that we really and truly, you know, when Jesus, when Jesus prayed to the Father saying that he wanted us all to be one as he and the Father were one, I really think that that's already happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that um, that longing in us to, to wake up to that reality uh, I think it'll. I think it. It's a natural thing, mm. and uh, not, you know, I mean, we could we could just that one that one verse. We could go on for you know another eight hours or so just talking about that. It, it, it's just a desire. It's a longing. Um, I kind of lost a little thought that I had going off there, but. Again, it's well, love. Even, it's not fear. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the questions I'm thinking of is, in light of that, when Jesus is talking about being one, you know, we've all always took that as Christians, right? That that Christians, when we're one, right? But what if, what if that's not what he's saying at all? I mean, I, I'm not. I know it's like that John 17 thing. I mean, I can't, I can't exegete it right now without, you know, but, 
what if what if I mean John's gospel is very um mystical what if it's the human experience that just as you know in the biblical story we all came from a from a single uh unit of one male and one female that in the same way that God's calling us back to that union with all of creation um in which case we become instead of the dividers from society we become the uniters Jesus sermon on the mount blessed are the peacemakers and what do peacemakers do they bring bring two factions that are warring together right 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 and and lay down our lives instead of defending our position mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what if we were willing to give ourselves for the other's position instead of and, and laying down laying down our position so that they might might have a chance to to share theirs rather than enforcing ours upon them you know yeah yeah and that's actually happening in the world yeah. what what where was it was it in egypt where the they were standing around protecting the christians mm-hmm. so that they could worship yeah. did mm-hmm. you remember seeing that picture recently yeah yeah absolutely they were stand and there was the exact opposite happened as well where christians were standing around muslims right so that muslims could could pray so that they could pray safely Wow. I mean, how crazy, how crazy is that? That's awesome. (laughs) It is. And you know, what's crazy guys. I don't know. I mean, I, I I know several of you well and I, but I don't know you all. I think we probably have all had this experience though, where a few years ago we would have called people that were saying the things like what we're saying right now, heretics or compromisers. Because we would have said, no, 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 they're well, praying question, to the wrong God. <laughs> you question their Christianity. Right. Oh, the no, they're going to hell. <laughs> right, right. How, how, dare, how can we defend someone who's praying to Allah? But, you know, one thing for me is, is I've, as I've been studying the life of Gandhi more and more, I go, my gosh, this guy looks more like Jesus than I do. Mm-hmm. So does it really matter what the what the label that you put on them is if they're, you know, if they're bearing the fruit, does it really matter what you call them? Right. 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 Mm, I like where this is going. What, what's some other words? So we, so a community should be accepting. Um, I think another thing, Heather, that you brought out is a community should be listening. Yeah. I see. I've been doing a lot of, um, the contemplative prayer and a lot of problems can be solved when you just quiet yourself, quiet your, your own ramblings and just listen. And I I think we can actually hear God. I mean, and you know, and this may be offensive too. Do we even need to say the word God? I mean, we can hear love we can hear truth we can hear where where we're actually connected where we already are one where we're not tomorrow or yesterday we're right now um it it that i just think that's pretty amazing if we really want to know god maybe we should stop trying to manipulate him like a santa claus to do all this stuff that we want him to do to give us stuff and to um send those guys to hell because they're not doing what we think they should. Hmm. Um, maybe if we just quieted ourselves and listened, we would be surprised what we could hear. Wow. 
I don't know about you guys, but I want to get a take on this. One of the things for me, my prayer has been such a difficult thing for me for probably my whole walk with God, my whole spiritual journey, because I've had so many things imposed on me. Not necessarily, I, I don't want to blame this on anyone as if it's someone that's done it to me, but somehow I've picked up this thing along the way that's made me think that I've got to get it right, right? That in order to commune with God, I got to get it right. I've got to have my, my eyes dotted, my T's crossed. I've got to say the right things. I've got to, you know, whatever. And more and more, you know, it used to be that I would hear people say the kind of thing you just said, Heather, and talking about listening, and it would just feel condemning because it'd be like, oh my gosh, I got to go lay down or I've got to go sit with my head. I got to bow my head or whatever for 30 minutes and just get quiet. And usually if I ever did actually hear something in my mind, it would be condemning. You know, you missed it here. You missed it there. You should have done this, blah, blah, blah. And now what I'm hearing you say and even even in saying, is do we even use the word God? And I think Anthony Bartlett talked a lot about this, you know, the, the no name. I love that, that we call him no name because God has become such a, has so much baggage for so many of us. Um, not everyone, but for so many of us. So that force of love that's at the center of the universe, not, I don't want to just say force as in this new age term, but this person, you know what I mean? Not not this force that's just out there like the Energizer that just plugs into everything, but this person that's at the heart of the universe that is love incarnate or manifest that just wants to share themselves with us. What what are some of the spiritual... When, when you talk about getting quiet, talk, tell us a little bit about what that's like for you, Heather. What What does that look like? Not only for you, but even in, if we're talking about being a community that listens... What does that look like in the context of community? How do we listen in community for the divine? Well, we would listen to that other person's heart. With um, and I and I think once we actually allow God to reveal God's self to us, then we have a natural flowing love for that other person. Um, we're not afraid that they're going to come and steal our whatever. We're not afraid they're going to get icky stuff on us, you know. <laughs> we're, we, actually, we actually find a desire to, to know their heart. Hmm. And we, we find them, we, we find that we can honor them. We can, we, we can you know, truly love them. And so, uh, you know, it, it, there's no formula for it, but I just think it happens. I think that God as a, uh, or again, divine love, I don't know, you know, that I kind of like the word divine love, yeah. expanding just out of, because love is, is a is a force, is a power, is an energy, and it expands. And here we've been created out of out of that. Wow. And that person across the street um, is part of that. Mm. And until we actually go out and do it, I, I don't know how we can even explain it. Some people, I think poetry, poetry does a lot of that mm. because it's not a rigid. Um, a set of rules and formulas, but poetry 
flows beautifully. I mean, music. You were talking about music. Yeah. You know, all the different voices. What if we all sang on the same key with the same type of a voice? How boring would that be? Yeah. But when we come together, you know, we could break the windows. You know, it's 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 just. You you're bringing out a really interesting point when you say, when you say music. And I think, like you said, poetry, I think the arts, I think we could just say arts. There's something about that, that bypasses the left, the left brain person, you know, that bypasses the mind that wants to reason everything. And yeah. like, like for me, one of the things that I've started doing that I've found has ministered to me tremendously is um, instead of listening to a lot of music with words, you know, where it has just messages that, that I'm getting focused on and stuff like my favorite, probably my favorite thing to listen to is this, um, this, uh, pianist named Ludovico Iannotti, which is an Italian, he's an Italian, uh, pianist and just his music. Sometimes the emotions that come from just his playing, there's a connection that you feel like I, I was walking, I was walking down the street about a month ago. I was taking a, uh, walk outside before it got dark by myself and I had my my music in my you know my earbuds in and walking down the street and I was listening to him and there was a sunset and there was all of these physical things that were happening that were totally unrelated that created kind of a thin space or however you want to say it you know this where all of a sudden you're transfigured <laughs> you know and time and space kind of stand still and you're face to face with the divine and there's no explanation for it there's no you didn't plan it you didn't work it up you didn't chant you didn't fast you didn't you know you didn't sing two fast songs two slow songs and pass them <laughs> off one plate you know you just didn't intend for it to happen and it happened and more and more i think to myself I want to live in that, but the irony is I can't make it happen. And all of the attempts that I do to try and make it happen end up making me feel condemned or ashamed or less than or whatever. So how do we live? How do we live in that reality without trying to pull the strings and, and be the puppet master and manipulate God into, you know, gracing us with his presence? I found a great way to live this, just learning to be content. And so, um, just over the last year or two, I guess, the way my prayer is really mostly all, always just, only just the words, thank you. Hmm. Just silently inside of me, I say thank you. I don't even say Father anymore. God or whatever, Jesus, I just say thank you. I acknowledge that there's beauty in the day, even though I might feel bad or I might feel like something that's going wrong right now, you know, somebody just treats me wrong or something. Um, yeah, just to learn more and more to just be content and to say thank you. And, um, and, and also for future events, just to not, not, not try to conjure up or try to manipulate God. God into giving you that thing that you want, but just to say thank you, you know, just, just to be happy that, yeah, if that's really what will make me content one day, then that's what's going to happen. 
would be okay. But right now, I'm happy with where I'm at. Wow. And, uh, I think one of the biggest books right now is that book by Ann Voskamp, 1,000 Gifts, and it's all about different ways you can say or show gratitude or be, you know, be thankful. And then I was thinking of Anne Lamont's book, The Three Words of Prayer that she uses, Help, Thanks, and Wow. Yeah. Those are like yeah. her, that's like her prayer she talks about. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've always had a hard time with prayer too. I, I, for me, I, I always thought it was related to my introversion, but you're an extrovert, so I'm not, not really understanding that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're external. I remember you talking about you're you're more likely to be the one out there evangelizing to everybody on the on the street. And I also had a really hard time with that. I just never could get myself to to do that. I think of myself more of a of a discipler or teacher than a evangelist. But back to community. <laughs> I think we went down a rabbit trail there. Hey, it is you know rabbit the rabbittrailpodcast.com, yeah, right? I need I say yeah. more. I was thinking about um the biblical community <laughs> air quotes there. <laughs> um, but in actuality, the people in your church in the Bible times were people you already knew that were already in your community. Mm -hmm. um, and what we try to do in the West is take a bunch of people from all over the place, mm. put them together, and say, okay, now be community, act like community. Mm. And so it's like, well, how do you make people be community? And it's so it involves, you know, now you have to figure out, okay, what's the program? How do we get everybody on the same page? Um, it's all directed by a leader, um, kind of like being corralled into the group. Um, and I just find that so distasteful, honestly. Um, you want to find people that are like-minded, but then not really so much like-minded, just people that are going to try to understand you and want you to understand them. I mean, it has to go both ways. Um, you want to know and you want to be known. I think that's like a basic, you know, a basic thing. But the problem is then you get in the church into this community and they say, okay, you have to do this and do this and do this and do this, and that's how your community. And it's like, no, it doesn't work. So what I'm looking for, if I were to look for some community out there, I don't know, I'm kind of happy with what I have now, which is just basically my husband and the people I'm online with and you know a few friends I really don't miss a lot um, but I would be looking for a group um, that would say you know what we all love the Lord come join us we're gonna talk together we're gonna discuss stuff um, you know nobody's really gonna be lording it over anybody trying to make them be what they're not um, how can we go paint a house for somebody or you know take groceries to somebody um, I don't know something looser than what the traditional church has become I like what you've said Jereen about uh, being corralled in and forced into um, connection with people that you're not really um, 
naturally wanting to connect and, and you're, you're forced into programs that you don't want to be a part of trying to force that connection because uh, Rayburn earlier you, you were asking for words that that you that we felt or, or thought about when we talked about community and the word I, I thought of was connect mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, mm -hmm. you talked about I cannot say his name Ludovic let's say it again uh, Ludovico Iannotti I won't even try that. Yeah, I was, uh... <laughs> but, but a couple of years ago, I think it was you. You uh, posted one of his pieces called "The Snow" or something like that. Snow prelude, yeah. Snow prelude. Oh, oh it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and and I listened to that, and I listened to it over and over, and and I had because you had had, had posted that, I had a moment of connection with you mm -hmm. that was community between you and me. And then, you know, and so everybody that likes whatever that guy's name is, you know, we, we have those, that, that connection. And it's just a natural, organic thing, like you were saying earlier, that happens. And, and to me, community is natural, organic moments of connection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and what I long for is more moments of connection. It could be connecting one-on-one, -on -one, connecting honestly with a group of people. Uh, but all this forced stuff is just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it like doesn't work. the wrong ingredient in, in a recipe. It just, it ruins everything. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, let me, uh, I hear us all saying the same thing. And I'm one of these people that I'm always of two minds. It seems I, I go back and forth, um, in thinking about the two sides of a coin and Here's the pushback that I hear often um, from from what we're saying right here, and this is something that I think about too, is you know the early church. One of the earmarks of the early church was was its embracing of a those who were who were other, you know, like for instance, whereas the the Israelite the the Jewish religion um, was only for circumcised Jews and their families basically and. Not only that, but if you happen to be handicapped or mentally ill, or then then you were just out. If you're a eunuch, you are out. You know. Um, so then the church, the church had this all-embracing nature of of accepting those who were outsiders. The other thing that they did was they shared life together with people that were different than them. Because here's the deal. If you're all embracing, it means you bring in a bunch of people that look very different than you do. The, the one thing I'm afraid of, and this is something I'm asking for your guys input because then, you know, in, in these, in these podcasts, we say it every time we're thinking out loud. And this is a question that I'm asking over and over again, because everything you guys just said, I completely resonate in the sense of forced community sucks and I'm, I'm just kind of done with it. And simultaneously I'm saying, isn't there a sense in if we're going to be the church and we are going to open our arms to everyone and we're going to, then we're by definition going to open our arms to people that are different than us, which means that, um, our, our natural inclination to only gravitate towards those who are like us, at times we'll have to be put on the back burner to force ourselves into, into relationships with people of different socioeconomic status, different races, different religions. So how do we do that and not, and still it not be a life sucking 
um, experience of feeling forced into relationship. Do you guys hear what I, where I'm coming from? Yeah, you know, the thing is, we, we already are the church. We got to start with that. We're not trying to become it. We already are. That's good. And each one of us here, we have different neighbors, we have different relatives, we have different a different city we live in, different states, you know. We just cannot do the formula. I think that we have to stop mm-hmm. shooting on ourselves, as Wayne Jacobson would say. <laughs> and, uh, and we have to, uh, you know, just... The best thing we can do is get rid of the distractions. The mm. distractions are the shoulds. Mm. Mm. They really are. I mean, if we could just relax and be quiet, maybe turn off our TV more often, maybe, um, you know, be more of a minimalist. <laughs> we don't have to have so darn many things yeah. to keep up with, you know. Just simplify our lives, be more in touch with nature. And kind of heal that um, cognitive dissonance that we've all been through, where we, you know, our gut says, this doesn't feel right, but they said I'm supposed to be doing it. So, you know, that's that cognitive dissonance. We have to, we have to heal from that stuff. And I think we're going to all flow into who we already are, mm-hmm. into the community that we already are in. And I think it's—I think we're going to have a hard time not being busy at our community because life is life is beautiful, even when even when terrible things happen. There's still good things come out of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I mentioned earlier about going into kidney failure, and at the time I had already left the church. You know, except for being on their prayer list, I, I, I was out of the church. Uh, because they really didn't, you know, unless you were in the building and doing their ministries, you, you just, I mean, they were, and I'm saying, these are good people, you know. Yeah, they just didn't, yeah. it just didn't occur to them that there was another, you know, that there was another way to do it. So, I, you know, I'm going into kidney failure. I'm not a happy camper. I, I'm depressed. I don't feel well. I'm remembering how my mother went into it and how she suffered. And so on an online community of people who were out of the box, that's when my friend Shelly said, has anybody ever offered you a kidney? Well, hello. That's how I got a kidney transplant. Wow. I mean, is that amazing or what? Wow. You know, I mean, I, I didn't plan it. I didn't. The only thing I, I, I all I did was feel yeah. terrible, you know. I mean, I, I, I couldn't care for myself. I had to let it all just go because what do you do when your kidney is failing? And, you can't. and so what, what's the chance that someone in an on a, not only that someone in an online community would offer a gift to someone they've never met face to face like that, but B, the fact that she would be a match. I know, I know. You know, it's and we were we were doing. It took us a long time to get this to go through. 
I mean, it wasn't, all right, next month we'll have a kidney transplant. It was, I think it was a year and a half, if I remember right. Wow. Um, you know, we had to go through a lot of stuff. I had to go on dialysis. Well, in that process, we had to keep encouraging each other. You know, one of us would start getting impatient, and the other one would say, it is what it is, you know. And we just kept, we just kept encouraging each other, and eventually it happened. Wow. And and that's just one story. You know, we could I'm sure we all have stories. But I think those stories need to be shared because So, so do you think I I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you Heather. I um do you think here's here's the hard part that I have connecting the dots is that, that there seems to be this dichotomy built into following Jesus that says um, that you have to let it be done by the spirit and yet simultaneously you have to be intentional about it. You know what I mean? That there's a, that there's an intentionality that we have to come to the table with that says, I'm going to be open and simultaneously that we're not going to make it happen. And those things, I think what happens is we tend to either get in one ditch or another, you know, we either get in the ditch yeah. of I'm going to be led by the spirit. So I'm going to, I'm just going to sit and wait for something to happen. Right. And then on the other end, we get intentional. We get in the intentional ditch, which says I'm going, you know, we're going to at six from six to seven at Susie's house. We're all going to get together and play two songs and, and have community. Right. And you know, you're, these are now going to be your best friends. <laughs> and somewhere in between is this gift of community that simultaneously is fostered by intentionality. And that's a, I think that that's an easy thing in the sense of it should be easy for us to experience, you know, because it should, it should be, what I mean is his yoke's easy and his burdens light. It should be a natural you know, it, it, it should happen naturally. And simultaneously, um, it seems like it doesn't because we get in one of those two ditches. So where is the balance there? What's, what's some, uh, I don't know, maybe some experiences like Heather shared with getting, getting her kidney from someone <laughs> who happened to be a match that she'd never met face to face just, and you'd never put yourself out there with this person, but it just happened. What's some other experiences that maybe you guys have had where you, where you say I experienced community at this time and, and here's what happened surrounding that. Well, I think for us it was um, like I said before, coming back to Melbourne and um, we didn't plan to bump into friends, old friends of ours, but it still happened for us about 50 years ago now. And um, and that they exactly were already having the same thing on their on their heart as as we were having uh, yeah Christian community kind of thing throughout the week, um, not the Sunday morning thing, and um, that that was I think that was a good blessing to us, and and, and that that might be something that we're talking about. Um, but but I also had this thought that um, like 
like Heather was saying before, that it's, it's a lot about simplifying our lives. I think our lives might have just become too fast, right? And um, too convenient, and we have too many choices. As in, like, what happens? You know, can we imagine a month without a car and without internet? What What are we going to do with our community? You know, can can we go outside and 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 spend time with the people we meet, or is that too scary? Is that you know, what what would happen if we actually did that instead of trying to find our community twenty kilometers away from where we live and and have this great experience, but not really knowing how to actually have real community, not even with, with my immediate family, you know, how, can, can I, you know, I reckon, like, organic is a good word, it needs to start organically in a small place, in my heart, and in my surroundings, immediate surroundings, as in my family, my wife, my, my daughter now, and then the, the people that we meet, and, and that for me has been the journey I've been on lately, I think, to discover that instead of just yearning for this big thing, which I really don't necessarily like that much. I think organic is a good word, Ulf. I think that's a really descriptive and helpful word. I, th I think that, um, you know, in, in as you were talking, I was thinking about the word community and the fact that the root word of it is communion, you know, and this idea that if community, if community is founded on communion, then, and communion is really about, it's really about peace. I mean, if you think about it, it's about having a sense of peace between you and someone else where you can, and, and I'll go beyond saying peace, a non, this is one of the words that has really struck me recently is non-rivalrous or non-competitive, a non-competitive relationship with others. And it seems like within the church so many times we have we have a sense of rivalry or competition or one-upsmanship where we're just trying to look out for our place. I mean, I, you know, I'll be the first to confess, it is so easy when you do something like this, like, you know, through doing podcasting, I've become friends with all these other people who do podcasts. And that are similar to ours. And it is, I tell you, the temptation is always there to compare yourself, you know, to, uh, uh-oh, Ulf is your, is that, oh, okay, there. <laughs> I think the, I think there was something on the computer that was going loud. You know, these technical difficulties, you gotta love them. But anyway, um, there's always a sense that where, where competition, things like, things like this are a breeding ground for competition where you can begin to compare yourselves with others and to judge what you're doing by what someone else is doing and vice versa. And in the church, it seems like by setting up that hierarchical structure, we've created an environment in which the only way that you can, that you can stay in fellowship is to stay under someone else. Because the moment you begin to be equals, someone's got to go. Someone's got to, go do make their own thing you know like two pastors can't be in one church for instance um somebody's got to be the senior right and it seems like we do the same things in christian community oftentimes that as we begin to you know we talk a lot about mimetic theory on the podcast and one of the one of the the cornerstones of mimetic theory is the idea of rivalry that as you begin to 
respect someone and to appreciate someone and even reverence someone, the more you want to be like them, the quicker they become your competitor because you get to a place where all of a sudden I want the same things that that person wants and there's only so much to go around. And so I have to put myself in competition with that person just to have my place at the table. And it seems like the church should be the exact opposite of that, that we should be a, a community in which there is absolutely no competition and absolutely no rivalry. And yet it seems like spiritual things can, can quickly descend into rivalry quicker than anything else. I mean, just, just look at some of the Twitter battles and Facebook battles that go on in theology groups, right? So how do we foster an environment that's non-rivalrous, that's non-competitive? How do we, how do we, how do we receive from others without feeling threatened by them? <laughs> Off, absolutely. Go ahead. I didn't mean to shut you up there. <laughs> the, uh, that's where you've got to go, you say. <laughs> I started hearing computer noise, and I was like, uh-oh, we're getting so loud. I can't hear anything. No, you're good now. Go ahead, man. No, no, I was just saying goodbye. Don't you see my message, I think? Oh, he's saying goodbye. Oh, oh, yeah. sorry, Ulf. Ulf, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Have a wonderful rest of the day. We look forward to chatting with you again, brother. God bless. It was lots of fun. Nice Thanks. to meet you, Alf. Same to you. Bye. Now we can put a, a face with the name on on yeah. the uh, things that are written. That's you right. Know what I, you know what I was thinking about, Ray? Being involved in music for so many years and church choirs and mm -hmm. stuff like that, I was thinking about, you know, how they got to bring out the best singer for every Christmas program and because you know you gotta have the best for the Lord and all that stuff um, and how you know the mediocre people kind of get pushed aside because we've got to have the best it's like really you know that's in the church it just seems like everybody should be able to to share their gifts and it's not always the same person you know that's that's deemed worthy and you know all that kind of stuff it's just yeah. you know it's easier to come up with negative <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. examples than it is sometimes positive but I was thinking about um, wanting to be in a group where and I know you I've heard you talk about this too where there isn't necessary a leader because it just seems like so often everybody looks to that person <laughs> to manage everything and be in charge of everything and it seems like that's where we run into problems um, why can't we all just be mature enough you know <laughs> yeah. can't we all just get along <laughs> and I'll, uh, I don't know I don't have the answer to it there's something about a round table when when you first mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast about a round table I thought about the fact, yeah, a round table where you're all looking across at each other's faces, um, you know, instead of sitting in rows. And, and that doesn't just have to be in religion. I mean, you know, school. sometimes maybe in a classroom when you're a child, you know, you, you do have to have a teacher. But eventually you graduate. And you don't want to sit in seventh grade for the rest of your life, you know. Yeah. Eventually, you can sit across from the table and look into that person's eyes and hear their stories and 
get to know them and their ideas and their thoughts and their different personalities, uh, their weaknesses and their strengths. Uh, that's pretty awesome where, where nothing is, well, that's right and that's wrong. Um, I think that's, that's community where yeah. you've got all these different flavors of people. You know, yeah. you know even, even the illustration you just gave of the round table, you know, you think about a regular rectangular table and the fact that there's always someone at the head of the table, Right. And, and, you know, like in traditional societies, the, the man of the house always sat at the head of the table. And if a guest came over and accidentally sat there, it was always taboo, you know, like, oh, my they've, chair. they've really transgressed. <laughs> right. And the fact of a round table is that there is no head of the table. It's just everybody has an equal place. And what if we what if we really believed that? What if we actually believe that about the church? What if the church was the one place in society, the one community in society, wherein that was actually demonstrated and taught instead of reinforcing the societal norm of managers and supervisors and bosses and presidents and all these things? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why it's, that's why it's so, the whole hierarchical structure can be so dangerous because it threatens to undermine the priesthood of all believers. It threatens to undermine the value of everyone's voice because in elevating some voices, you, you know, by definition, minimize others, you know, someone gets left out. A lot of people get left out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The majority usually. Yeah. And it's a few, you know, it's always a few of the louder people such as myself that tend to, you know, ascend to that, that, you know, ascend to the place of speaking for the group. And that's a, I think maybe that's part of the problem is we have to find a way to balance out the gifts so that certain gifts don't override others. You know, you know how Paul talked about that there were certain parts of the body that God glorified intentionally because they were more humiliated by definition. And it's, it seems like we do the exact opposite in the church and we elevate those who have the bright and out there and shiny gifts, you know, the singers and the, 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 you know, orators and, you know, the people that have the, the more pronounced giftings, and in doing that, you know, we have people in church that, I mean, think about it. We've all sat in a church where we listened to one man, and I say that very intentionally, one man um, tell us what the kingdom of God looks like while there's all this wisdom in this one little Google chat that we're having. There's all this wisdom here that never got tapped, you know, that was that live dormant while one person continually perpetuated their same song and dance. Because that's his job. He gets paid for it. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you bring out a good, you bring out a good thing, Jereen. You bring out a good point is can community be fostered in an environment in which someone's paid to lead it? Yeah, I don't remember that being in scripture, do you? 
<laughs> Wags his head no. <laughs> because think about it. If, if, if everything we're just saying about community being forced, if that's, a, if, if that's not something that can happen, then aren't we, by definition, doing that exact thing when we pay for it? We're, you know, we're putting our quarter in the, in the slot machine or we're putting our quarter in the, in the drink machine, you know, pushing the button, something comes out. It's the same thing. We're trying to buy something or make something happen that can only happen, like Ulf said, organically. Yeah. So I guess the thing is, is that we individually just stop doing it. You know, for instance, I turn off the talking heads on TV, the, the political pundits. I just turn them off, you know. Not only do I turn them off, I turn off the advertisements that promote them. Mm. You know, same with uh, every aspect of life. There, there, there's, some, there's some times where I want you or somebody else to teach me. I, you know, maybe you know, maybe I need a computer class. Maybe I need a, some music lessons, or you know, there's some times when when you need that, or when somebody is mentoring somebody, you know. But I think the only way to bring about that balance is, you know, on an individual basis. We can't legislate it. We can't make a new church and then have a set of rules that. You know, nobody can be the the head cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know. Um, but we can ponder it. We can talk about it, and we can listen to each other. Yeah, yeah. It's a <clears throat> it's a it's a tough thing because we all recognize the need for community. We all recognize it, and so when it doesn't happen naturally. We, it does seem that we find a way to force it. And maybe that's what we're doing with the institutional church at times, but maybe that's what we're also doing with, I mean, I, you know, I jumped right out of the institutional church, like Chip was talking earlier. I jumped right out of the institutional church into trying to do a more house church model and found myself in a similar place as to what I experienced in the institutional church in that, you know, now we're going to do this. And it seems like, and, and the hard part is, it's like there has to be a sense in which, you know, we had to, we had to make a time tonight where we said, we're going to get together at a certain time. So there was a sense of organization in what we did. And there was a sense in setting aside a time and saying, at this time, we're going to talk about this. And simultaneously doing it without, without manufacturing it, without manufacturing the experience. And that's tough because... You know, I think it's risky, don't you guys? Because it's like, you know, coming here tonight for all of us and turning on a microphone and, you know, plugging in and hitting the record button, not knowing where something's going. It's a risky thing. It's risky because you're going, gosh, I mean, you know, maybe maybe this is going to fall flat and maybe it's not going to go anywhere. And simultaneously, it's exhilarating because there's an element of trust in trusting that if you're intentional about it, right? Like we we're talking about before, if you're intentional about it and simultaneously leave the space for it to happen, community can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about what Jareem was saying about the, um, uh, the, the person who doesn't sing well is left out. And, and, and I've, 
I've run in, in, in a few different churches to this mentality of, of we have to have excellence in what our presentation. And, uh, and, and, and so as a consequence, people get left out. I've gotten left out. I had to audition to play guitar in a, in a big church near where we live up, up in, uh, towards Raleigh. And, and I, you know, I, I auditioned three times and they said, well, sorry, you just really don't uh, quite have the chops to, to play it. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I was really crushed, you know, and, 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 and yet I, in the past, I've, I've probably participated in that, you know, been, been the worship leader who really wanted to, to sound great. And, wow. and I know people got left out and yet, and what I connect with that now is, uh, just the word excellence. And Paul said at the end of, uh, first Corinthians 12, and now I will show you a more excellent way. It's oh, the way of love, right? Wow. And so that's what Amen, brother. authentic authentic community comes down to that more excellent way. The way of love. Wow. Selah. I mean, that's the more excellent excellence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I remember, especially when I was in the Word of Faith Church, that was a huge thing is excellence. Everything's yeah. got to be excellent, you know, and... Because you want to give your best to the Lord. We have exactly. to give our best. Exactly. And it's like how quickly our best can become something other than who we really are, right? I mean, mm-hmm. our best becomes a manufactured plastic version of who we really are. It's not the real us. Right. You know, mm, that's good. A more excellent way. That's really cool. You know, one of the things um, this last couple of weeks that has surprised me about um, studying Francis of Assisi is um, that he saw one of the characteristics of God as humility. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just something I'd never thought about. God, well, and you know, yet Jesus modeled it. Hello, you know, why didn't I get that before? It's, you know, you're talking about Gandhi, you know, or, you know, just think of all of the, the good, uh, peaceful, quiet, loving people who have, Helen Keller, you know, I mean, yeah. just think, you know, just think of the, of the names that could come through your mind of people who were not cookie cutter, um, but they were genuine. It's just, it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Humility, that's huge. I mean, because, you know, you're taught the exact opposite about God. We, we talk about the all-powerful, sovereign Lord, but not the one who humbled himself. And, you know, I, I can't remember what I was reading somewhere, but it was basically saying that creation, that for, in order for God to create, it was an act of humiliation. Because if God was all in all, and he, he filled time and space, he filled everything that was, he had to make space within himself by definition just to create. When he created, it necessitated for you and I to even exist. It, it necessitated that he carve out room in himself for us to be, which means he had to minimize himself. And it's like, wow, even the act of creation is God humiliating himself. And we've all, almost been taught the opposite in that in order for us to create, we have to step on someone else. We have to push someone else down when really maybe the most creative potential that's within us is when we minimize ourselves and create room in ourselves for the other to 
teach us. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Good stuff, man. You know, you see that all the way through not just Jesus's life, but I mean, even the cross, you know, Philippians two talks about that. Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of a servant, took on the form of a slave. And that because of that, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, et cetera, et cetera. And that, you know, to have that same mind in us that was in Christ Jesus. So that humility, at such a, you know, it, it, it it seems like when you're taught about humility, it's usually in the context of, a, of an authoritarian, triangular, you know, top-down hierarchy, wherein they're basically just telling you to pull in line, you know, mm -hmm. yep. to to get to get in line because you need to humble yourself. But wow, the fact and you that want to humble yourself so you'll be exalted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ulterior motive, right? Right, right. You don't humble. You oh don't, yeah. See, if you pay your tithing, well, then you can, uh, then you'll get a lot more money. Exactly. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and not realizing that the exaltation is the humiliation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That it's not you. It's not a means to an end. It is the end. The humiliation is the end, and that's it's beautiful. That that's yeah, where the beauty yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Mind blowing. <laughs> Man. Great stuff. Guys, community. Community, community. It's given me a lot of food for thought. I'm uh I'm still trying to figure out what this whole thing looks like. I think my problem is is I like to get I like to package things. That's my natural tendency, is I like to figure it out. And I do think there's a mystical element that we can't figure out. And yet I still am getting this sense in which, as we, as we talked about earlier, that there is, it's mystical and it's intentional. And mm -hmm. that one can't be, one can't happen without the other, but one can't also take the place of the other. Right. Good stuff. Well, I think we were talking a little bit about, you know, whether there's kind of a framework where you're open to it. Yeah, that's like step one. You have to be open to it. If you're not, it's not going to happen. And it can be, you know, seeing somebody on the street. It can be talking to somebody in the grocery store in line. It can be, you know, it's a connecting between each other. And it doesn't have to be this big, formal, organized thing. Connection. Yeah. So may, maybe we could say with what you're saying, Jareen, I like what I like what you're saying. Maybe a way to put that is to say that intentionality is only a first step, that that's all it is. It's simply putting yourself in the path of where community can happen. That the and, only... if you're, and if you're willing to share yourself by just mm. being open or, you know, smiling or whatever, that allows somebody else to connect with you and you don't because you can't plan it you don't know where it's gonna go it may not go anywhere and maybe just a smile is what that person needs or you know the same with me you know if I'm having a bad day and somebody just smiles at me and says hi and I don't know who they are wow I mean that gets me right in the heart that they're willing to do that just because society is so unconnected 
what if we really believed that, you know, that there was a connection between us all? If God is all and in all, if we're all made in the divine image, if we all proceeded forth from God, it's kind of like, you know, string theory and quantum mechanics, to, you know, mm -hmm. it's the idea that everything's connected by strings, that really music is at the heart of the universe, that when you pull that string, it vibrates all the way, you know, how, you know, that experiment, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but where they, they basically separated an electron into two electrons, moved it terribly far away from each other. And basically when you touched, when you did something to one electron, it, simultaneously had the exact same effect it could be across the universe on mm -hmm. on the on the other electron it literally would simultaneously respond to the stimulus that you put on the one right on the first one and in saying that if if it's true that 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 is at the heart of the universe that there is a connectedness like chip's talking about a connectedness at the heart of the universe that we're all connected to the divine like paul you know, on Mars Hill saying, we're all God's children, you know, the unknown God to this unknown God, we are all his children. If that's true, that we're all really brothers and sisters, that we're all interwoven and interconnected, then maybe our job for community, maybe our intentionality is like what you're saying, Jereen, just simply acknowledging the connectedness that's there. Mm -hmm. Through a smile or through a word, but in doing that, we're basically saying, you're not just an obstacle in my way to the bread aisle. Right. You know, you're not just an obstacle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not just an obstacle on my way to get to where I'm going. But I'm actually connected to you, and I'm going to be intentional about it and open myself. I'm going to make room, just as God made room in Himself for creation. I'm going to make space inside my day or inside my life or inside my plans for you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. And I see you. You're not invisible to me. I see you. Wow. That's a common thing that I've heard. I have a friend who's really involved in mission work. And she said the one thing she tries to get across to the women that she works with is, I see you. Because so many people feel like, you know, nobody even knows that they exist. They're invisible. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man, that is, that is powerful. Mm -hmm. I see you. Wow. God, that's, see, that's, wow. that's why that's... that movie Avatar was such a... Oh, that's where that was. I was sitting yeah. here thinking, where was that? Oh, that's okay. it. And I think if if that's all we saw, you know, because I mean, a lot of people liked it. Some thought it was, uh, you know, whatever. But um, I think that was the key to that movie was I see, I see You. Wow. If that's all we got out of it. Wow. God, that's powerful. I, I mean, I, honestly, that's just got me tearing up thinking about it. I see you. What if that's, what if I think... That might be the e, that might be the e equals mc squared of what we're talking about of yeah. community is recognizing just simply I see you that that's community that I see I see you I don't see what I want you to be I don't yeah. see what I want you to be or what somebody's told you you should be or what I I don't see you as being as having expectations towards me I just see you period. And I so moments accept. of connection, moments of connection are all around us, and, wow. and in that community, 
is waiting for us all around us. Wow. God, yeah. that's awesome. That is awesome. And it's so simple. Yeah. It's very simple. And we've made it out to be so difficult and divided Forced. and crazy. Holy moly, that is powerful. I see you. Man. Pause and calmly think about that. <laughs> wow. I think that's it, guys. I really think that's it. I think, like, I can't even tell you. I don't know about you guys, but it's like a light bulb went off on the inside of me when you guys said that. I see you. It's like, because my pea brain continually tries to figure this thing out. It continue and it, you know, tries to figure out how to do it or what it, but that's it. I, that is really it. Now how we live that out is going to differ and it's going to be diverse and it's going to look different for you guys in your context than it is for me. But I think that's it. Wow. You got to slow down to really see. Man. Yeah. Instead of rushing by. And take your eyes off of yourself, which mm -hmm. usually we have our eyes on ourselves. And maybe, we'll, I, I was yeah. just going to say, Heather, what you were saying earlier about, about simplifying our lives. That's why, like, up until now, there's been so many, like, I've seen simplifying our lives as being this thing of just kind of um, a mantra that I hear that's kind of, you know, that's more about, you know, an obligation or I, I don't know exactly how to say it, like something we need to do. But now that now that I, now that we're making this connection, I really get what it's about. Simplifying your life is just simply saying I'm getting the clutter out of the way so that I can see you. Wow. Wow. Never seen that before. Everybody's smiling pretty big. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry in listening land that you can't see our, our virtual smiles and head shakes and ahas, <laughs> but I'm having a big aha moment right now. And that doesn't always happen, but right now, I mean, that's like, wow. So it's like all these things we've been talking about up till this point, all these other words I think have really just been appendages to I see you. I really do. Like, Simplifying your life, getting the clutter out of the way so that I can see you. Acceptance. Acceptance is saying I'm laying aside my expectation for you so that I can see who you really are and accept you for who you really are instead of seeing what I want to see. You know, what are the other words that we said? Acceptance. Help me out. Love okay. instead of fear. Yeah. What's love? It's all about. I'm going, it's a, it's that same thing. I love you. I don't love what I want you to be or who I need you to be in a codependent way, but I love who you are. I see who you are and I choose to love that. See, if I'm fearful of somebody like a gay person, somebody dressed in drag or, you know, something like that, if I'm fearful of them, then I'm not going to see them. Yeah. I'm going to walk away and say, yeah. You know? That's the problem. Like you just said, like the drag queen, you know, the church has seen the drag, but we've not seen the person. Right. Mm -hmm. Not the person underneath. Right. 
That's the problem. And we are continually making policies and, and legislation and, you know, all of these things that address this on the outside, but we're failing to see the person. And that's why it always has fallen short for all of us. That's why we're all frustrated with it. But I couldn't put my finger on it until you just, until you said, like, why it's such a, why we can all see it for what it is, that it's wrong. But that's why it's wrong. It's because we're dealing with the surface of the person and not the person. Because that's not who the person is. You know, it's the gender roles. It's the same thing. You know, we've talked a lot. You and I, Jareen, have talked a lot about um, complementarianism versus egalitarianism and the idea of, you know, men and women having specific roles in the minds of some some people and in other mind, in other people's minds being equal. It's that same thing. The, the egalitarianism for me is coming down to not just this statement of men and women are equal, but it's no genitalia don't make up who you are right i mean hormones don't make up who you are who you are transcends your femaleness or your maleness so that if i'm going to see you i can't put a label on you like that yeah i, I was just given this body right <laughs> right you know but i'm i'm who i am inside wow that's powerful People want to be seen, they want to be known, they want to be loved. And uh, and I was just thinking about how when we lived in Winston-Salem, we went to a church of like 6,000, and we just felt like nobody knew us, nobody saw us, and then we tried to participate. And and, and, and so you have the opposite of community in, in, in the crowd where no one is really seen and known and loved. Surrounded by people and all alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. That sounds a lot like an experience I had when I was in Bible college in Tulsa. We went to one of the fastest growing churches in America and it was hip and it was cool and the music was trendy. I mean, it was basically, it was, it was like being on late night with David Letterman, <laughs> but with Bible teaching. Right. And, but the thing is, is my wife and I both said, man, this is an incredible entertaining experience but not a single person there ever knew our name. Now, granted, right. we, we wanted it to be that way at the time because I was in Bible college. I was working 40 hours a week and I was taking a full load in school. So the only time we had together was on the weekend. So we really wanted to get lost in the crowd. But what was striking about it was just how easy it was to get lost in the crowd. Mm -hmm. That it was really easy just to blend in with the with the walls and the chairs, you know? And that the church... If anything, the church should, it should be a place where it's impossible not to be seen. You shouldn't be able to hide in a community of believers because if our, if it's all about, you know, that going back to that Philippians 2 thing, you know, don't look out for your own interests, but look out also for the interest of others. That's all about seeing others, you know, of taking the time to notice people on purpose intentionally. Well, you know, they have professional greeters to say hello to you <laughs> when you come in. So they're covered, you know. It's like, is is anybody going to take 
responsibility for themselves, you know, and I think that's what happens in the machine um, is you have to have, you know, people slated in all the different positions and then you just go and soak up whatever it is you need for that week and then you go home and you go back the next week and do the same thing. I mean, it's, it's set up that way. See, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking about Walmart or some, some big shopping center or something, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, actually a Walmart greeter can actually be a little more friendly, you know, I mean, <laughs> but they give you a basket. It's yeah. never even hit Sorry. me, the connection between Walmart oh, greeters yeah. and mega church greeters. It's oh, never yeah. even hit me how true that is. Yeah, you know, we have to go shopping for a car again. We need to get a second car. And I, I we, we call them the sharks, you know, they come out. Right, you know, they're coming for you. Oh, yeah. You know, what's going to take to get you into this car, you know? And, I, <laughs> I, you know, I always just, you know, just grit my teeth. Oh, no, here they come, you know. Can we, can we just try to avoid them? We need people in the nursery that. today, you know. We need people in the nursery today. Come on, somebody. We just want a warm body. I mean, it doesn't care if you like kids. We just need you today, you know. I was like, really? got to plug you in. <laughs> plug in but you know real no really it's it, it it's not it's not so much putting down that that formula as it is just the lack of I see you yeah wow and wow. and and I really do see you you know and that you can't see a big crowd of people you know I mean no. did Jesus yeah. did Jesus? How many big crowds did he actually teach in front of? I don't know that he actually, as far, you know, I know I know that the Bible says that there's many more things that he did that if there were books written on him, it would fill the whole world. Uh, but as far as what I've read in the Bible, Jesus didn't really spend a lot of time in front of big crowds. You know, it was more, um, you know, standing in front of... You know, somebody who was sick or somebody who was out of the camp, you know, like the woman at the well or the, you know, there was always somebody that wasn't uh, one of the... They were queens. on the outside. Right. Yeah, so he was always, you know, just somebody on the way. Well, and when he did, you know, when he did go before the big crowds, he was always quick to get away from them, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I mean, he would he would take the time, you know, if they were there, he would speak to him. But then you hear over and over again that he would run the other way, you know, get in a boat and go across a lake to get away from him. Or he would they were getting ready to take and make him king. So he like passes through him to get away. You know, it's like he's always fleeing the crowd. Jesus is like he was the worst religious marketer in the history of religion. You know, I mean, everything I learned in Bible college about how to build your church. Jesus, like, it never struck us that he always did the exact opposite. It's like, instead of advertising his miracles, the guy that he's healing that's blind, don't he takes him anybody. outside the gate by himself where no one can see, and then says, don't tell anybody. You know, I mean, you don't build a big following by doing that, do you? <sighs> what Something that struck me about what you said, though, Heather, was in talking about going to the churches just a second ago, that, that, we're missing the I see you. It hit me. The thing is, is we're only seeing a few people. We see the pastor who speaks. We see the 
the person who leads music. We see, you know, uh, there's a handful of people that we see and our church experience, our community experience becomes about us seeing them, mm-hmm. a handful of people, all of us, but it's not about people being seen. <laughs> and that it's, that's what is, I guess, it's like, you know, that there's something in your heart that's bothering you, but you can't put your finger on it. But in talking to you guys, that's it. It's not the, it's not the stuff itself. You know, it's not the fact that someone's a good speaker or a good singer or it's none of that. Those are all great gifts to have. And there's nothing wrong with going to a seminar and listen to someone give a 50 minute monologue. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But it falls flat when we try and call that community. Because it's a seminar. It's not community. It's right. an inter- it's a, it's a <clears throat> lecture. It's a, you know, we call it a hundred things. It's a concert. If it's music, it's all these things. But we cannot call it community because we're, like Chip said, we're not connecting A. And then we're not seeing anyone. No one's seeing us and we're not seeing anyone else. Yep. Yep. Yeah, when you're observing, I know, um, like the Women of Faith, I've been to a Women of Faith. Um, weekend before, and I remember someone saying to me, you know, they experience community, all those women amongst themselves as they travel, they have conversations, and they're up there, you know, teaching other women, they're having community with each other, but all we're really doing is observing that. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, even when you were, I was thinking about small groups, too, you know, so many of the large churches say, well, a small group is the answer to that. So they tell you what people are going to be in your small group, and they give you a leader, and they give you a Bible study guide or whatever, where you're all supposed to discover the same right answer, and you have a time of prayer and eat some dessert, but very rarely do you really connect on a personal level. Hmm. At least that's been my experience. Even the people that we got to know and became like more friendly with, we still did not share our secrets with them, so to speak. Well, they not, might not have been acceptable. <laughs> yeah. What's well, dangerous? If you have to make yourself vulnerable, you know? That's right. And when you're when you're making yourself vulnerable to a group of people whose common identity is based on a set of boundaries that protect the community, right? I mean, so that so that you know, there's there's this there's this closed set of boundaries which says you're either in or you're out, then it becomes a very precarious thing to begin to expose the things in your own life that might put you over on the other side of the boundary because then you get cut off from the little bit of community that you are experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. from at least the little bit of connection in your life. Because I think, you know, Chip, I've heard you talk a lot about um, your longing for connection and community. You know, you, uh, I've heard you talk a lot on Facebook and you and I in person about that. And I've thought so much about that myself uh, through the years as I've talked to you about that. And it's like, it's so sad for so many people because we have just a handful of it in our churches and we know, we know we should be experiencing more Mm -hmm. 
and yet we're scared to let go of the little bit we do for fear that we won't find it. You know, if we let the, at least I've got this, right. It might, it might not be ideal, but at least I've got this. And if I let this go, then I have nothing. And I think that's why there is a lack of vulnerability in things like small groups, because, you know, if I, if, if I ostracize myself from these people, who knows if I, if I'll find anything else. And at least I have this, even if it's not, you know, fulfilling the need completely. Well, see, that's another thing is that belonging. I think, uh, you know, the humanoid has this need to belong. Um, But, you know, but there are things that we accept for belonging that aren't belonging. Just, you know, to say, well, you know, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican or I belong to... Uh, you know, I think I'd rather be in the Audubon Society, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think I think a, a great example is sports teams. I was talking to someone yesterday. Here I am in Nashville. You know, I'm 30 minutes from the Titans Stadium, and I'm a big Panther fan. And, you know, so like on Fridays, it's casual day, and I'll always come in in my Panther stuff, you know, because that's basically what all of my – <laughs> all of my off day clothing is is sports related it seems so anyway i go there and everybody's a titans fan and the funny thing about that is as i've talked to people i've realized that there's a real one of the things i've realized is that there's a real um the reason people do this is the sense of community that they get like i'll be at work and all of these guys will huddle around and we'll all talk about football from that weekend. And more and more, I've realized it has nothing to do with football. The reason that we're keeping up with the stats and all of that, we wouldn't do it if we were the only ones that did it. That's right. The only reason we do it is so that we can feel like we belong to a group. Right? And yeah. so and so, <laughs> the irony is, is in the church, we've done the same thing. We've got these little clicks and these little you know, we come up with all sorts of clubs for people that, that meet a common interest with the idea that what we're going to do is foster an environment where people can, can have a sense of belonging. But the problem is when you base someone's sense of belonging and acceptance on a transitory thing like sports or like uh, you know, a quilting club or whatever, whatever it is, you know, even your career. Exactly. Exactly. When you do that, there's no unconditional acceptance there. The acceptance only goes so far as your interest remains the same as those who are in the group. And so yeah, no it's got to transcend that. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to transcend that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what we're even talking about with Ulf when he's talking about, you know, even people of other identities, you know, when we connect with people of other identities, if we make it, if we make our identity about being a Christian, uh, which often has little to do with Jesus and more to do with cultural sensibilities and sensitivities and all these kinds of things. If we center our identity, even around that at times, then 
we often are going to miss what the Spirit of God is trying to do in the midst of people who have other identities. Yeah. And when you tie that in with ego, mm. all kinds of stuff, you know, which, come on, we, we all have one of those things. Yeah, yeah. You know, but when you tie... When you tie... When, you know, when, when ego is not... Um, looked at on my part, then I can I can really look like I'm trying to put on some airs, you know. Yeah, yeah. And maybe I maybe maybe if you're trying to see me, you wouldn't because, well, I've I'm this and I'm that and I go there and I do this and I have this. Uh, if you if you're seeing all that that false belonging and fake identity then you're not going to see me. So, you know, that's part of my problem, too, is to drop the, the ego, drop that false identity, and let you see me. Yeah, yeah. And maybe oh, that wow. would invite somebody else to do the same. Wow. So it's a two-way street, then. As well. it's, not a, it's not a just, I see you, but I'm going to have the vulnerability to let you see me because I recognize that one without the other is incomplete. It has to be a two-way street. It, isn't that, I, don't you think that's maybe part of the, part of the reason for the Garden of Eden story, the fact that the man and the woman were naked, was the fact that they saw each other completely. It was, that that was maybe mm-hmm. the point, you know, more than all these literal things that we get out of it and whether or not, you know, Adam and Eve were real people or whatever, I don't know. But maybe part of the reason for the story is the I, it's the it's the, I see you. It's, we were totally vulnerable yeah. and not hiding. Yeah, you know that was a big word in yeah. that story. You know why are you hiding? What are you hiding from? Um, so to be vulnerable and not be hiding who we really are from each other, and trying to impress one another with oh hello oh what do you do? Oh well oh, I'm, a I'm a mom. I'm a mom. Oh, she's just a mom, you know. She doesn't have a career. That's like, really? Give me a break. She works at McDonald's. <laughs> right, right. Or he works at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, that I think that whole story is built around like you said, it's vulnerability or hiding both with God and with each other, because the man and woman didn't just hide from God. They also hid from each other by covering themselves up with fig leaves. Mm -hmm. We were naked. We noticed we were naked. So we got these fig leaves and covered ourselves. They told God. So it was not just that they're hiding from God, but that that fractured relationship, that fractured, I see you and I'm going to allow you to see me with God also results in our doing the same thing with each other so that, it's not just the I see you, but it's I will let you. I will I will open myself. We're to back to Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Letting yeah. It, letting you see me. Yeah. yeah. And here's Jesus on the cross, naked. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Go, girl. <laughs> not de- <laughs> not defending himself. Not saying, wait, wait, let's take oh, let's take God. this. Let's take this uh, country back for God. God, that's good. <laughs> that yeah. is that. What you're saying, Heather, the God, God, that the God of the universe 
gets stripped naked before us and doesn't, you know, even we talk about pacifism and nonviolence on the podcast all the time, but that's what it comes down to that. I will not, I will not put anything between that. My gosh, I'll not put anything between you and me, me and you seeing me that I will be vulnerable. I'll make it. It's that whole thing of, he makes himself completely vulnerable. His arms are outstretched. You know, you think about, like I think about with a, with a boxer or whatever, the first thing they teach you in boxing, you know, is how to defend yourself. That you keep your arms up, you know, and you cover your face and you do these things. And it's like, God does the exact opposite. Not only does he get stripped naked, but his arms get spread wide and nailed to a cross so that he opens his whole self to the world and says, do with me as you will. I see you and I'm allowing you to see me for who I am. And that, that this is, this is all tied together that the humiliation is the exaltation that mm-hmm. Jesus's exaltation is the cross. It's his humiliation. It's he not a means to an us. end. He comes under us and lifts us up. Religion does the exact opposite. Yes. Well, all kinds of power structures, not, you know, not just religion, but all power structures lords it over those people. Yes. And it's, that's amazing. Wow. Wow. My gosh. I'm glad we stuck around. This is awesome. <laughs> My gosh. The more I'm thinking about this, it's like it all ties together. We are trying, we're trying to take the God of the universe who has made himself vulnerable and we are trying to put his arms up or we're putting our arms in front of his face and protecting him. We're protecting him. We're making him to be a superstar up on the stage. Right. And and we're protecting, I mean, think about, think about, one of the big buzzwords in Christianity right now, apologetics, defending the faith. Yeah. We are trying, we're, we're trying to, in God's name, defend the God who made himself vulnerable and humiliated himself and said, this is who I am. So by definition to defend him, to feel like we have to get in the face of the atheist and convince them of who God is, or to get in the face of the Buddha, the Buddhist or the Hindu and say, you've got to believe like we believe. Is that not by definition to, to defend the God who defined himself as the defenseless God? And missing the whole thing. If we, I don't know how many people I've heard Say, well, I talked, I was, I was, I met this atheist, and when he told his story of who he thought God was, that's who God is. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, yes. again, it's about listening and about seeing that person. And it, you know, I'm saying that I've heard a lot of Eastern, uh, and I don't even want to say religions, but, um, thoughts, um, philosophies, they're saying better what Jesus was trying to portray than what I learned in religion. 
-hmm. You know, the oneness, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, putting down the ego. I, it's, it's pretty amazing. Because think about what we've done with, and I, this is another thing in that conversation with Brian McLaren that I kept trying to wrap my head, my head around was saying, you know, how can Jesus, how can we say Jesus is Lord and simultaneously open this up for everyone? You know, because I was saying, I was saying to him, you know, isn't there a sense in which by saying Jesus is Lord, there's an exclusivity, which says that, you know, others are not. So by definition, it's exclusive. And he said, which I have chewed on this for a year since that conversation. He said, he went back and reread Philippians 2 and said, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that Jesus exalted himself and he put others on the cross. And it basically that, you know, that he did all of these things to defend himself. It says the exact opposite. He, that, that his lordship is absolutely defined by his humiliation. That, here, that, that what he was doing, he was taking a word from the Roman Empire, Lord, that was always before oh, applied right. to Caesar. He was turning that word on its ear and redefining the term so that Lord no longer meant someone at the top that dictates to the people at the bottom, but it meant someone who descends to the bottom under the lowest of low in order to lift up the others. So when he calls himself Lord, it would be ironic for us to think that the Lord who did that was trying to be the, the kind of Lord that Caesar was trying to be. Oh, that, wow. That he was exalting himself or that he was, that he was trying to make himself exclusive or that he was trying to, to say it's my way or the highway. It was the exact opposite. He's saying my lordship is defined by the fact that I will not allow you to wash my feet. I will wash yours. Hello. Oh. <laughs> what kind of So it flips it on its ear and goes, "What kind of lord is this? What kind of lord is it that washes our feet instead of us washing his?" Amazing. My gosh. The servant of all. Yeah which would redefine what community means, right? Because it wouldn't be defined from the top down. It's defined from the bottom up. Right, right, right. All the great movements through history, if you think about it, the civil rights movement from the bottom up, the common people that get on the bus or get at the lunch counter and refuse to, to have it the normal way, you know, to, they, they don't strike they back. back. It. They push, they push back but they don't do it in a way that violates the other. And they're not doing it to protect themselves. They're doing it to protect probably everybody else. Right. Right. I mean, Gandhi, you know, you look at Gandhi. I mean, one of my heroes, a man named Jim Douglas down in Alabama, you know, he says, he says that he's a, he's a uh, member of the Catholic worker movement, you know, has a Catholic worker house down in Alabama and, been a peace activist for years in the name of Jesus. And he said, I've, he's 75 years old, I think. And he says, I've spent the greater part of my life trying to figure out how the greatest disciple of the 20th century was a Hindu. He said, I've been, I've been trying to figure that out for my whole Christian life. Oh Lord. And, and what he's talking about is just how like Gandhi completely humiliated himself. Here was a guy, a lawyer who was educated in England that goes back 
and fights for the common man against the British Empire, but doesn't do it in the normal way. You know, he humbles himself and lowers himself so that he put himself under the British leaders to show them how unjust their whole system was. He refused to lord it over them. He refused to he refused to ascend to the top of the food chain and instead descended all the way down to where, you know, he was making his own toga or whatever. You yeah, know, I mean, he's basically wearing a diaper. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, really, it's just amazing. Golly. <laughs> Ooh. Holy shnikes. I mean, <laughs> the rabbit hole goes deeper, folks. <laughs> wow. Well, this has, I want to keep going. <laughs> this, this podcast has turned into, let's see, we're at about two hours and 20 minutes. I'm going to cut off the podcast part, but uh, <laughs> wow. Thank you guys. Amazing. A lot of I, fun. I just don't, I, I want to, uh, I got to do a lot of chewing. I don't know about you guys, <laughs> but. I've got a lot of chewing to do, and uh, I hope the people in Listening Land have a lot of chewing to do, too. Wow, that was a great conversation. Community, powerful stuff. Um, one of the biggest things I got out of that was just the phrase, I see you, as being key to community. I see you. So powerful. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you, Jereen. Thank you, Chip. Thank you, Ulf. Thank you so much for joining the conversation, for taking the time to contribute to the conversation. And thank you out there for listening and for participating both on Facebook and on the website. What do you think about community? What fosters community in your mind? How do we build community? How do we, how do we uh, join with others and still let them be other without feeling that we have to uh, make our community a, a group of people that are just like us? Put your thoughts on Facebook. Put them on the website. Let's talk. We would love to get you involved in this conversation. You can join in the conversation by going to the podcast website. Um, that's a great place where we post the episodes, and you can find some links there for idea submissions and things. It's beyondtheboxpodcast.com. While you're there, you can look for the phone number, which is 626 246 6269. You'll see a call me widget on the right hand side of the screen. If you click that widget and type in your name and phone number, our answering service will actually call you back and let you leave a message that way. Or you can just dial it directly 626 246 6269. That's 626 24 no box. Now, the greatest place that the conversation goes on, the where, where we get the most interaction, is on our Facebook group. Now, we actually have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash beyondthebox. But recently, Steve had the idea to start a group page, um, which has really, really been a great thing. We have opened up a plethora of discussions there with people from all over the spectrum. And I think you'd really benefit by joining the conversation there. So if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash BTB podcast discussion, that's where you'll find our Facebook group page. Now, unfortunately, um, it, it won't let you join automatically. Just the way Facebook has set up groups, you actually have to be accepted to join. But if you put yourself out there, we'll automatically accept you. So just uh, 
Ask to join there, and Steve or I will see the notification, and we'll get you in there. Once again, that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash BTB podcast discussion. You can also sign up for our Twitter feed, twitter.com slash BTB podcast. However you connect with us, we're just glad that you do. And we thank you so much for taking the time not only to listen to these discussions, but to participate in them as well. Um, really, this uh, what this group cast is all about is about fostering a sense of community. Steve and I don't want to be just two guys out there who are teaching everyone else or are putting these ideas out and expecting you just to listen to us. We really want this to be a community and a conversation. So the group cast is one of the steps that we're taking to make that happen. And this is something that with this being the first one of these, it was kind of an experimental thing where we wanted to try it out and see how it went over. But I was just really tickled with how it came out um, with just the sense of community, the sense of conversation and just openness that I experienced with Heather, with Jereen, with Chip, with Ulf. Um, it was just a great time. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I think we ended up staying for almost three hours. We recorded about two of that, but just had some really great interaction. And it's just so neat to be sitting in your living room or in your bedroom or wherever and be able to connect with people all over the world. Um, we did this on Google Plus, and it was just really fun to have a video feed and to actually be able to see each other and to interact. And we would love to get you involved in that. This is something that we're wanting to bring to the podcast on a regular basis. We don't know if it's going to be monthly or maybe every six weeks, but we're going to announce it from time to time that we're going to do a group cast. And when we do that, we'll announce it both on our Facebook page and in the Facebook group. And at that time, if you're interested in joining, you can message us uh, either through the group, through the the page, on the website. You can send an email from the website. Um, any way that you'd like to do that, we'd, we'd love to hear if you'd like to participate. Um, the way Google Plus works, it only allows us to have about 10 people in the conversation, which really is probably enough. Anything beyond that is just a little, probably too much to try and interact with on a podcast. But what we'd like to do is if you're interested in being in a group cast, when we announce that either through the Facebook group or and through the Facebook page, if you'll just simply send us a message and tell us that you're interested, we're going to pick 10 people out of the messages that we get. So if we only get 10 messages, we'll get those 10 people. If we get you know, 40, 50 messages, whatever, we'll pick 10 out of that to do a group cast. And we're going to try not to have the exact same group every time. Um, of course, we might have, you know, several people there over and over, uh, just depending on how it works out. But we would love to get different people involved in the conversation. And each time, hopefully, we're going to try and come up with different topics that we really want to kick around in um, in a community of people where we can talk about these things as a group. So if you're interested in that, just uh, keep your eyes peeled for those notifications. And when you see it, uh, either respond on that thread or just send us a message through Facebook or through email. However you connect with us, once again, we'd love to do so. We just appreciate you guys and consider you a part of this community. Um, you're not just a listener. You really are a part of this community, and we thank you for it. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for interacting, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Box.